the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds in under 30 swag counters. Today, I'm your host, Phil, and with me, as always, is my second mate, Davey. How you doing, Davey? <laughs> I'm doing good. Who's your first mate? First mate? Uh, I think I think right now, <laughs> Shriek's looking like a pretty great first mate there on the shoulder. Uh, all right, all right. But maybe Mange. I mean, he's he's really yeah. he's really threatening with that, that knife. I don't know if I necessarily want to want to piss him off too much i can't uh, argue with any of those no <laughs> not really um perfect logic uh but yeah uh if you couldn't have guessed <laughs> from from that lovely intro uh we today this is are now going to be... a uh, pirates of the caribbean cast so yeah we yeah we just talked <laughs> about pirates now um welcome <laughs> mateys uh but no yeah so so pre-orders just went up um, for the new Underworld's Warband for uh, Gorlock, Black Powder, and his Buccaneers, and the new Rivals deck, um, Illusory Might. Uh, so if you haven't seen that those are up by, up yet, go check them out. Um, by the time this is out, those should actually be available for folks to go purchase. So if you mm-hmm. somehow missed that there was a new release, um, go grab those up. Uh, so obviously that's also the context for today's episode. We're recording just shortly after that, uh, pre-order is out. Um, and I think it bears mentioning that we got a new far and errata as well, which was a unexpected surprise. Yeah. Um, that was super cool. I, uh, unexpected is correct. I, I was, after as long as we waited for the last one, uh, for this one to roll around when it did was uh startling but nice um yeah so i was just thinking i think somebody in our local discord was just saying that like they counted it out and it was like 82 days (laughs) from the last one which is a shocking (laughs) shocking difference um from from the last like what eight month wait or whatever it was yeah and not to get too much into it but uh you figure everything they do has some lead time uh, and there's stuff on there that is definitely with an eye, like there's some restrictions that clearly were made in the context of, uh, the Harrow deep meta, like, yep. So like scant resources in a previous season, there's no way it's going to be restricted. The fact that it is, or, or that sepulchral guard have a restricted card now. Yeah. But... Claim the city is restricted. <laughs> yeah. That, that was, that was fun. So, um, all yeah. kinds of stuff. Um, we, we may, uh, get to that for for a full episode but there's a whole lot to cover and uh if you need something in the meantime uh i did listen through to uh our our buddies over at uh, path to glory um did a great coverage with it and also have jason murray on there uh and they kind of go through uh each of the documents and and lay out their thoughts on that so yeah some good uh, stuff yeah but yeah so today as as we mentioned we're going to focus on the buccaneers um just try and run down who they are, what the faction is like, um, some hot shooting from the hip tips and tricks that we're thinking about, um, sort of what we think their initial playstyle might be. Uh, but before we dive into that too deeply, uh, we got our we got our standards. So we got some community shoutouts. Um, so to start things off, I I guess I just want to again, I know we we kind of do this just about every time there's a release, but it's always surprising to me every single time that. Uh, you know, the folks running the community built deck builders, it's, it's almost like the day that they have images, 
within a few hours of those images being available, they're usually up on at least Underworlds yeah. TV. And um, that's that's amazing. Um, it makes deck building completely uh, seamless for folks who immediately want to start uh, diving into the new cards. So uh, again, tip of the hat. It's really appreciated that folks are willing to just do that out of the you know goodness of their hearts and giving up their time. Um, mm. Of course, they're probably doing it out of a love for the game, but you know it's benefiting the whole community. Um, and then just all the reviews that get posted right away. Um, I know in, in some ways, you know, when people have some lead time, and I guess we should mention uh, for the, our review here, we, we also got um, early copies of both Illusory Might and Gorlock's uh, Buccaneers. Um, and those are free from GW, and we really appreciate them doing that so we have a chance to look at stuff ahead of time. Uh, but people actually looking at it, reviewing it, recording, and then getting it out like day they can, that, you know, it's <laughs> takes some work. So I, I'm still always surprised and I always love seeing what everybody's initial takes are. So hope that people can keep that that work up and uh, we can keep the community sort of uh, community think tank going. There's the word. Couldn't think of it. <laughs> How about you, Debbie? A uh, couple things. So, uh, mentioned Jason Murray. I uh, listened to, I haven't gotten all the way through, but uh, Battle Mallet uh, is back. Those guys love Rivals. We yeah. love Rivals. Um, I think it's a, I think it's everything, well, I don't know. I, I, I think it's what I wanted uh, Vanguard to be uh, as the easy pickup thing. Yes. Um, and uh, I, I think it's great. Um, so I, I think it's I think it's filling the spot that Vanguard wanted to be. Anyway, um, that's getting off topic again. But uh, what Battle Mallet <laughs> does is there. It's part one of question mark uh, number of episodes about rivals, and they cover uh, all the rivals decks from Beast Grave, um, pros cons, uh, playing yeah. against all that sort of thing. So uh, I, I've only just a little bit into it. I'm really really excited to have those guys back. So great to see them. Um, and as we have some, uh, welcome backs, we have some farewells. So really wanted to say, uh, give a salute to Shuby who, uh, helped run one of the big discords for, uh, for the community. He's got to take a, a step back. Uh, just, uh, everybody, everybody gets to that point, you know, it's kind of some of the thoughts that he, he was saying, I think something along the line of, uh, some of the, the ideas he had. Uh, he didn't have the energy to follow through on him and he didn't want to be that kind of, uh, discord leader, uh, vassal leader. So, uh, but the, the stuff that he's done to keep the community rolling, particularly throughout the pandemic is just tremendous. Uh, and he's not some of that we shout out very often and, and that's too bad because, uh, we should have. So Shuby, thanks for all you've done. You're awesome. And, uh, hope you get some well-earned rest here. Um, and on a similar note, uh, Matt from uh, set the tempo is going to take a break from content creation. Uh, but, uh, he arranged for compact, uh, to step in on his behalf. And I've talked a couple of times about how much I loved compacts article on the, um, mad mob. Uh, so yeah. Uh, in, in the way of royalty set, the tempo is dead long live set the tempo. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I, uh, I've been talking with Matt a little bit. We, we may still get to hear from him um, through this or other channels. I, 
it's one thing to create content and it's another to hop on and, and throw your views out. And I think he's still got that kind of that uh, energy. So you've not heard the last of him. So, um, but uh, really looking forward to seeing what uh, Compact kicks out there. I've been really enjoyed his articles so far. Definitely. Uh, probably, probably hear a little bit wider range of his thoughts than usually it's a lot of mad mom focused things but it's always good because i feel like the mad mob don't get enough love um yeah yeah uh and then i guess quickly um what what the heck is going on with you davy been doing anything uh, in the hobby had a little bit of a hiatus we we uh, took a temporary stall on the league uh, just with case numbers spiking here we decided to, to pause one yeah some some of our local members are doing okay but they actually uh, went, went down with, uh, with COVID. So, uh, the in-person has been on hold a little bit. Uh, and mostly it's, uh, pondering what I want to bring to Adepticon if Adepticon, uh, carries through. So, uh, it's the usual thing where I think I've decided, and then I hear, I listen to somebody else's content <laughs> or read something else. And I'm like, no, what I need to do is play that yeah. war bands. So well, I think some front runners right now are, are crushes and cruel boys, uh, just cause I've not really mm. played either of those and I might go cruel boys. I think cruel boys feel a little trickier and that's, I get to feel smarter, um, than I actually am <laughs> if they, I pull something off with them. They certainly felt smart when they destroyed me when we played earlier today. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's so out of character for you. Usually you go for the super dark horse war band. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's still time. <laughs> there's still time. We can have yeah. a last minute change to the hunt. Might, might just get Blade Coven uh, <laughs> painted up in time. <laughs> oh, yes. Perfect. They're all assassins now, basically. So should be good. <laughs> all right. And uh, for what me... What about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, so I got our copy of the Buccaneers, and I think that they seem like a really interesting design space. I don't know how good they're going to be yet. Uh, we can kind mm. of talk through some of that, I guess. But... I built them all up this morning. Um, the models are pretty cool. Uh, Korlock himself is absolutely massive. I think his base is the same size as Molog's. Um, <laughs> so it it's it takes up like a whole like the entirety of the hex basically. He is quite yeah. large. Um, I guess he's bigger than Rothgorn, huh? I th I think he might stand about the same height, but his base is definitely bigger. And I think that's just because okay. they needed to accommodate the sword and the gun because he's kind mm. of like splayed out a little bit more. And yeah, um, yeah. But so really cool models, uh, I guess, for folks who are building their own soon. Um, he's a little finicky to try and get put together. He's kind of one of those where it's like, a shell sort of like a puzzle box where you're gonna have to put all the pieces together to make the full body so you've got like mm. his back and his front and his sides and his arms kind of all come together <laughs> oh interesting just so and it's like i had to really like hold him together when i put the final piece on because there were some gaps and stuff so um but it's still really cool um so i'm looking forward to that and i think i might uh switch over to playing these guys for a while i've been almost exclusively playing stalkers since they came out. So a change of pace mm. would probably be good um, and give a chance to figure out how good these guys actually are. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. Yeah, let's do that. So black powders, Buccaneers. 
Um, so I think it's always good to just start with uh, fighters. Um, so who these guys are, uh, just just a quick overview for folks who don't know. Uh, we got a five-fighter warband here. Uh, we got, in the same style as Hrothgorn, we've got one big ogre. Yeah, he's Gorlock Black Powder. Um, and then we've got two minions, the little Noblars, and then two companions, which is a little bit different um, because you only have the one companion uh, for Hrothgorn. Um, but yeah, where would you like to start, David? Do you want to start just by looking at individual fighters or run down core mechanics? Uh, what do you think makes uh, the most let's sense? Hit up the, let's hit up the core mechanics because they're they're going to get mentioned on each of these, uh, and sure. so they'll they'll kind of they tie the warband together in a couple ways. Um, yeah. So uh, there's there's swag counters and light fingered, which are kind of complementary things. Um, Yep. Swag counters are, are something they're not held on a fighter. They're held by the player as far as I can figure. Um, yep. Uh, and uh, those swag counters are needed to fire Gorlock's uh, Grunderbuss with a couple yes. of exceptions. Um, he discards one in order to shoot. He starts with one. Um, and then he specifically inspires by discarding his second or subsequent. And it doesn't have to be in a single. So it could be one in round one and another one in round two. Um, the way you get those, there's, I think there's a, there may be a power card in there to get them. Uh, but then otherwise it's the light finger reaction. And it's after any of your other fighters, uh, after they make a successful attack action that targets an adjacent fighter, uh, pick one of the targets upgrades and break that card. When you break that card, you gain one swag counter. Uh, and that is also what inspires the, um, uh, inspires the uh, fighters that are light fingered. I, I, there's more than one power card that gets such a swag counters. Now that I now that I think about it, but uh, so yeah. it's this interesting thing where uh, the inspiration for the little guys uh, unlocks the inspiration for the big guy, and then the inspiration for the little guys is also kind of gated behind your opponent getting swag or getting upgrades from which you can then get swag. Um, yeah. So on balance, that feels like a fairly slow inspiration unless you can find uh, find a way to dig for uh, use, you know, use something for extra swag in your deck. And we'll talk about those cards, whether they're worth it. But is that uh, does that sound like a general good overview of their complimentary stuff? I definitely think so. Um, yeah. I think I think that's a fine uh, rundown of that. And, and I do think swag and figuring out how to sort of manage that resource is probably going to be the number one most important thing mm -hmm. for this warband. but we'll see. Um, obviously this is just some hot takes. Um, yeah. All right. So as, now that we know generally what the whole warband is trying to do, let's dive into the actual fighters themselves. Um, so starting with the bike, the big boss, we got Gorlock Black Powder. Um, so he is your sort of typical ogre. Um, so six wounds, <laughs> which is probably the most important thing to note right off the bat. Uh, one block, mm -hmm. three movement. So big, slow, but really hard to bring down. Um, as we mentioned, he's got his Grunderbuss, which he has to shoot with his swag ammo. 
but it's a pretty good attack. Uh, it's three range, three fury for two damage. So the only thing I can figure as to why they made this tied to the swag mechanic, well, so I've got two thoughts. Either they were thinking that it's too strong to let him just shoot as many times as he wants. And I could definitely see that if they kept it at three swords for two damage, they would probably have to do something because otherwise it's like he's just a crazy turret at that point. Yeah. And the other would be that maybe they did this as a top-down design where they said, we want him to be a pirate. So he's going to have some sort of a flintlock like gun. And sort of the idea there would be it needs to be reloaded. And so they wanted to have some sort of mechanic that like reflected that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I guess this does that. I don't know obviously which they were going for. I would tend to think that they were taking lessons from Hawthorne and wanting to limit how many shots he can take in a turn. Cause sometimes Hawthorne can just find a spot in the middle of the board and start unloading on folks. But sure. That's that's just my my thoughts. Uh, and then and then he's got his great cutlass, which is two range, two smash for three damage, which I think is basically the best attack profile we ever see on an initial fighter. I think that's right. the same right, as right. Molog, right? So yeah, I uh, mean, here's the thing: if you if you said, uh, hey, there's going to be a fighter in this warband, and it's going to have six health, and it's going to have uh, two attacks on its card. One's going to be range three, three fury, two damage. The other one's going to be two range, uh, two smash, three damage. You're like, what are you doing? Like, uh, yeah, it'd be like, oh, Molog's <laughs> with a gun. Okay, cool. That seems <laughs> fair. Uh, yeah. So I, I definitely think that limiting the gun probably is, like I said, is probably more of a balanced thing than anything else. Hmm. Uh, and I uh, guess there's not much to say about his inspired side, which is probably a good thing. So you don't really have to worry about spending the swag um, just for the inspire. But once he is inspired, he goes up to four move and four fury for his shot. Um, I guess four move is pretty nice, but I don't know that. I don't know. What do you think? Would you would you care to inspire just for that? I, I think it seems like it's not especially important um but i think there may be a build where you go all in on the gun where you try to like keep churning through um I, that might be tough because it's dependent on the light finger going off um so it's yeah it's not that but uh uh four four fury also helps unlock some of his other he's got some some power cards that get better if the gun is better but i don't i don't think this warband will live or die off of whether you can inspire him i think it might just be a a nice to get sometimes in the same way that the dread pageant sometimes inspires but a lot of times does not yeah that was kind of my thinking as well is that at least for gorlock inspiration is incidental it's like if it happens great he gets a little bit better but otherwise he is a beast of a fighter um without inspiring so i don't think you really mm-hmm. care one way or the other mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to go minions or companions next? I think minions or I, uh, sorry, companions, because they seem like, um, I think you talked about based on our, our play experience so far that they seemed like maybe the more important early. So, yeah, I think so. Um, you want to, you want to start running down street or shriek? Sure. Shriek is, uh, move five, which 
whoa, awesome. Um, yep. Starts on two dodge, which is solid. Two health, it should be expected. And then a three fury, one damage, grievous attack. Uh, that's a pretty, pretty solid profile for a quote unquote little guy. Um, yeah. Shriek is also a, a beast um, and in flies, as you would expect. Yeah. Uh, Shriek, <laughs> Shriek has uh, light fingered and then um, has a reaction. Uh, well, a couple things. So he's got the, if he's within two hexes of black powder, black powder supporting this fighter, which makes that uh, attack all the more accurate. Yep. And um, after friendly black powder makes a move action, you can push this fighter up to three hexes. After this push, the fighter must be within two hexes of that black powder. So this can be to set up a later charge for you. Uh, it can be to give a support to something that uh, black powder is about to shoot or chop or something like that, or uh, just get in. If somebody, I mean, this is a good way to uh, set up to maybe disrupt if somebody is doing the uh, scant resources thing, uh, pull Shriek onto something and then delve it at the end of the round so that Shriek is on it, it's uncovered, but it's not held because he's a beast. Um, yeah. So lots of cool tricks there. Um, Shriek is, again, uh, since Shriek is likely to be getting support from uh, from the, the big guy from Black Powder, uh, Shriek is a pretty accurate attack and is a good way if you're looking to kick off your uh light fingered thing because uh it does have to be a successful attack action but um, it does yeah but with his with shriek uh speed with his flying ability uh and with the support he can either hit somebody who's in the lines with a little bit extra help or he can sail back if somebody tried to put an upgrade on somebody in the back lines uh that they thought was safe you can boost him with the reaction and then fly at him so I think Shriek is a pretty pivotal fighter early on. If Shriek uh, inspires, as you mentioned, uh, he'll pick up Stagger on that attack, which is handy if you're trying to drag somebody down. Goes to three dodge, which yikes, uh, especially with cover hexes around. Uh, yeah. And retains the other stuff. So, Yeah. I mean, have it, man, I don't know. I, Stagger is one of those things that I have a hard time valuing just because it's like, well, if they're on guard, it's really nice. But if they're not, like yeah okay i guess you hit them and then you can put a stagger counter and get those re-rolls but like there's a lot of setup there i think it's a yeah. nice little boost um to accuracy i guess it's probably better than making him more accurate like going to four fury feels like it would be too much um, I, I think what i yeah and what i think i like about that is that it sets him up in late game as okay like who on the enemy side is starting to get like pretty powerful like mm -hmm. with uh you know accuracy or damage upgrades i'll send shriek at him uh maybe light fingered one of those upgrades off stagger him and now that that fighter is uh potentially ripe for for the killing uh after they've taken a damage or two and lost some lost some extra stuff so shriek shriek yeah. is a, a real kind of setup piece yeah he feels like you mentioned i i feel like he's gonna be really important I think if you can get him inspired early, if somebody has put out an early upgrade so that you can go pick that, uh, putting him on I mean, five speed, three dodge, that is that is rough. Um, Gnarly. So yeah. I yeah, I think he'll be really important. Um, we'll see how how well these two wound fighters hold up, though. That could be mm -hmm. that could be the trick. Uh, sure. Um, I guess looking I think, at I think two wounds takes you farther than it used to since there's not nearly as many lethals around you can't get yeah it definitely does and i lethal. 
I was thinking about it more uh, recently and that, you know, a lot of the meta right now is designed around one hit kills anyway. You're, there's not a lot of like, I'm just going to go around and ping for two damage on big guys. It's like either I'm going for the haymaker or I'm probably not making the attack. And so mm -hmm. like, I don't know if three wounds would have made these guys feel any tougher. Maybe. Right. I mean, it's a little bit, I guess it helps against other sure. teams, like piddly little guys, but um, I think it, I mean, they still feel pretty, pretty tough to to dodge early is is always helpful yep uh and then we've got the other companion uh to go along yeah. with shriek um so that's this is mange he's the monkey uh, he's got a, a bone club and a knife in his tail which is pretty <laughs> wild um so he's pretty similar uh he starts with only four speed but still four speed two dodge two wounds so again fairly hard to hit uh interestingly enough not a beast so he can be given weapon upgrades he can hold objectives if you needed to do that um which is interesting yeah i totally totally overlooked that the first uh, first time we went through these cards and uh, <laughs> yeah it's, 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 a, it's a cool i mean it just spreads your because if you want some weapon upgrades um which arguably your noblars might need to it just it gives you one more fighter to keep that from being a redundant thing so you know your silent sword yeah. now has three people could go on four yeah. i guess and i i guess it, i think it's worth mentioning that light fingered is not tied to the any of the attacks on their profile it just has to be an attack mm -hmm. action that's successful against adjacent fighters so weapon upgrades probably are going to be useful for this warband if you think leaning into being able to break your opponent's upgrades is valuable. And I, I don't know, I can't imagine it not being useful, but, uh, I, I, I don't know. The pacing might be a problem, but it still feels strong. So being able to load up mange, I think could be useful. Um, and for his just base attack, he, he is the same as shriek. He's got one, one range, three fury for one damage with grievous. Uh, so, not not bad um it's not great but it's not bad and when he inspires uh he is also then speed five three dodge and his attack picks up in snare uh, he does also have a reaction which makes it so that after a friendly minion makes a move action he can push up to three hexes and must be within yeah. two hexes of that minion uh both these guys seem like good setup ones you can risk that charge on somebody to try and pull pull their new upgrade off of them uh, mm -hmm. and if you pull it off not only do you reduce them but you jump yourself up to three dodge and you make yourself a very unappealing counter-strike target normally sending yeah. a two wound fighter into enemy territory like ah, i might just be giving up that glory um this is you know there's definitely risk because if you miss then uh they still have their upgrade and you're still only at your two dodge but um i think this maybe makes an argument for accuracy uh, help for getting those first few through i i definitely think so i think i think however you want to do it having these guys be accurate probably puts a lot of pressure on your opponent um because all of a sudden their upgrades are in danger um and if you spent glory thinking okay now i've got you know plus one wounds or whatever and they just go no nah, i'm just gonna pull that off it's like, wow, that's a big swing, even if it's for, you know, yeah. one or two damage attack. 
and I, and we already mentioned some of the things you can do with that positioning, but I think it, it bears, you know, remembering that like pushing three hexes is a lot. Um, sure. There's a lot of shenanigans you could do with being able to push three. Um, and your, your restriction is your restriction on this is very, very lenient. Just being within yeah. two of that minion, like this huge yeah, swath that, of the board, you know? Yeah. There's, there's huge amounts of the board that you can move from and end in. Like you, mm. you had to start five hexes away from where they ended to be able to use this. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> Most of the board um, seems fine. Uh, but I guess uh, speaking of the minions, what what are we going to be doing with these minions? Will Will Mange be wanting to follow these guys into combat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so there's there's Pegs, who's probably the the least useful in the warband, um, yep. which a nobbler missing a leg. I mean, who, who could, who could blame that being the case? Uh, he's about as basic as it comes. Uh, three move, one dodge, two health, uh, one range, two fury, one damage uninspired. He does have light fingered. And on the flip side, he picks up a move, uh, one defensive dice and one extra, uh, dice for his attack action. And that is it. So, uh, he can help boost mange along. He can, if you're desperate, uh, light finger something, um, but uh, a good candidate for a weapon if the other people are down, perhaps. Um, yep. and that's about it. Uh, KG a little more interesting. What do you What do you got on KG? Definitely. So KG is same same base stats. So three move, one dodge, two two wounds. Uh, he has fly. Uh, I guess Amazing. the idea because he has <laughs> a grappling hook, but like what? Um. <laughs> And then his attack is his grapnel. It's got range three, two fury, one damage, but it has ensnare. So he's not like horrible at making ranged attacks for somebody who's a dangle bro. Uh, yep. I smacked Porca right in the nose with that thing and killed him. Sure did. Bummer. Got him. Got him good. <laughs> got pretty lucky, but he, he got him. Um, and, yeah. and when he inspires, he also similarly, he picks up one speed, one dodge and one accuracy. Uh, so, I mean, I think KG inspired actually feels pretty solid to me, uh, of, you know, of these little supporting guys. I think, I think you're right though. Pegs feels pretty bad. I don't know what you're, you're really doing if you're having to rely on pegs too much. Um, though I suppose weapon caddy and, uh, little, little fighter cruise missile is not always a terrible thing to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, uh I think these two guys do make the argument for including at least one weapon in there just to keep them relevant. Yes, I would definitely agree. I don't know which ones you use exactly. Um, I don't think you want any like combo stuff sort of type stuff, but like, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> sword nets, uh, maybe some of the spears just so they could have reach like, yeah. Although that doesn't synergize with light fingered very well. Um, yeah. but, or, but think, uh, something super accurate, like the setup, right? Like that was the, yeah, uh, right. Two, two dice and you, uh, your opponent doesn't get to roll defense. So, right. So um, as long as you can hit, you can peel those upgrades off, which, uh, when you have got a 75% chance of succeeding, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. Especially if someone's stacking defense, if someone's, you know, yeah piling stuff up on glissade or something like that you say yeah well okay 
I'll, uh, yep. I'll peel some of those off and I don't care that you're on guard in a cover token supported <laughs> yeah. or whatever. You, you don't get dice anyway. It doesn't matter. You, yeah. you do whatever, do do whatever you want. Go. Do not collect yeah. $200. Um, I guess it, before we move on to cards, I think it's maybe worth just talking quickly about like, so how do you feel about light finger just as a mechanic in the game? And how do you feel it plays out um, over the course of a game? Because from the game that we played, it right. felt it felt like in round one, it was it might as well have not been on the cards. Um, yeah. So I'm a little worried that like you won't be able to inspire any of the little guys until at least round two. Yeah, I mean, I think that is going to be the case. You're unlikely, unless they get, I mean, I don't know if this sets up a thing like, I'm going to give you pegs to kill, so you put an upgrade on, then I can steal it back from you. Mm-hmm. Um, that that seems like maybe a little crazy, but uh, <laughs> uh, but also if yeah. people are swinging at pegs, then fine. Um, I, I, I think what I really like about this mechanic, potentially, is that this is a snowball game. We talk a lot about that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, early success kind of builds into to more and more. These guys are one of the few ways that that is not necessarily true. Like I think, like you said, it's it's uh, might as well not be on the card at the start. Um, but in later rounds, it's potentially a very big deal that it is. So uh, yeah. they may be at an early disadvantage, but then, they, uh, then they're in a position to potentially put their opponents at a disadvantage later in the game, uh, presuming right. the, the opponent didn't like didn't turbo mode too quickly. Um, but, uh, if there's like a crucial upgrade, they can come rip that right back off. If you can land those hits, which is admittedly potentially a challenge. Um, yeah. And that's, I- that's where actually, but, but yeah. I, I really like to see where that plays out because you have, you have a, a pretty solid profile on black powder, uh, to try and get you by early. And then these guys to make sure that the other side doesn't really super power up. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think this sort of is going to take some time to finagle, but I I have to imagine like, this is such a different way of playing the game than anything we've sort of seen before, because Mm -hmm. this is essentially like control on turbo mode, right? You're like, (laughs) Yeah. Not only can I like control positioning, but I'm going to control how many upgrades you have potentially. Yeah. You do yeah. have to hit, but like if you mitigate that as much as possible, that could end up being really annoying. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I I'm, I'm curious to try it out. I'm really excited for it, but I would be interested to hear what other folks uh, experiences are and what, what your sort of hot takes have been once you hear this. Shall we move on to talking about some objectives and how we think they will work with these guys? Yeah, sounds good. Um, right. I think one thing worth mentioning right away on the objectives is it looks like they are in the four surge eight end phase situation. And if they I sure remember correctly, the first two war bands we saw this season were also four surges. So we're starting to see maybe a little consistency, um, within and that i that has to be like a conscious nod towards um uh towards rivals play right like i have to rivals doesn't so. work if right rivals doesn't work if one warband has you know seven or eight surges however much Rothgorn has 
Yeah, he's sort of strange. Which, to be fair, yeah, he wasn't designed for for that format. So, yep. um, I, I think this has got to be a, a guideline that they're at least roughly going by. Yeah, and I, I guess overall, I, I can see that. They're trying to slow the format down a little bit for Rivals play, which is probably good because the idea is to have this be your entry into the game, so making it less uh, less intense. Um, so I, I think it's overall a decent choice. I think it does potentially mean that you're designing up a bunch of end phase objectives that maybe won't get used much, but uh, I guess we'll we can decide that after we read through all the cards. <laughs> Do you want to start with surges yeah. or end phases? Uh, let's start with surges. There's, there's fewer of those. So, yeah. uh, uh, first one I see is broadside, and it's uh, score immediately after your leader's second or subsequent uh, grunderbuss attack action in the same phase. Um, that uh, is potentially tricky because you can only get that second shot unless you uh, you can only get that second shot if you get a swag counter. Uh, or there's a number of power cards that will either let you make out of uh, out of phase attacks, or uh, or take a shot that doesn't actually use any swag. Um, so there's some ways around it. Um, yeah. What's nice about this is they don't have to be successful, at least. So it's true. I mean, if if you have the right power cards, this is a very easy score. Um, like you say, you do need swag if you don't have power cards, and that could be a problem. I still think this is, at least for the Rivals deck, this is probably one of your more reliable options. Um, mm. Not 100% sure how I feel about it in regular championship play. Um, mm. there's, there's a lot of sort of moving parts to try and score this immediately. There's probably easier choices when you've got somebody who's stomping around swinging at range two for three damage. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, overall, I would say this is this is a decent card. I, it's definitely worth considering it at any rate. It's not an immediate out. Sure. Um, you got to use gold diggers in some of our practice here. What, what did you think did. of gold diggers? I think gold diggers seems like a really great option. The question is, how reliably can you keep your uh, little guys alive? Um, so what? what uh, yeah. Yeah. So so what this is essentially is a a reworked swift capture. So for folks who don't know, uh, this is a surge duel where you score it immediately after a power step. If uh, two or more friendly fighters are on feature tokens, that's sort of the important rework from uh, swift capture. And one or more of those fighters are in enemy territory. So it's essentially saying you have to be on a feature token in your territory and in enemy territory. Well, I guess you could have them both in enemy territory. That's sort of an interesting uh, yeah, difference as well. But so you're holding two, which is not terribly difficult. Um, and and the nice change here is that they're just feature tokens. So yeah, uh, you're not holding. Um, so that does open up this card to your entire warband. And we already yeah. mentioned about how the companions have those push mechanics, which are pretty nice. So you could set that up this way. Um, the scores for one, but I mean. This is a really easy score one. I think this is almost an auto include in my mind. Like I don't, you could be pushing forward with Gorlock and then have one 
little guy just hang back and stand on a feature token in your territory and you pick this up for one so yeah i don't know what a what or, did you or think? alternatively like you you bomb uh bomb shriek or someone in and onto a cover and they're two dodge with yeah. cover you know or i uh, suppose I in in like a perfect world you know round one you could be moving up gorlock onto a token and then pushing shriek onto a token and just score this in one move like there's some interesting play patterns with this i think it's it's gonna be it's gonna be solid um yeah i i would uh, expect to see it in a lot of uh gorlock decks yes i think this will be one that definitely makes it into championship decks i don't i don't know that unless you really want to lean away from standing anywhere specific and just want to go aggro i think i think you play gold diggers How about uh, Brutal Belaying? What do you uh, think about this one? Oh, yeah. Uh, Brutal Belaying is a uh, score immediately after a friendly fighter's range one or two attack action that took the target out of action if that friendly fighter had one or more supporting fighters. Uh, and I think that's great. You uh, you have the ability to kind of uh, slide some people around so you can set this up a little easier using uh, Shriek or something. Um, and yep. then Gorlock can score it with his big cutlass um so i I think that's solid i think that's right in there so yeah um feels like a nice one um not not as nice as some of the things that you have for uh the the new (laughs) crow boys uh right just because their their support stuff it's like oh just like make a supported attack right (laughs) they've got a surge (laughs) Was was Torque at Tough School wandering by when you made your attack? Yeah, episode? right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some really, really nice, easy scores there. But this is still pretty good. Uh, I, I, yeah. I think with all the movement shenanigans that you can do, this shouldn't be too difficult. The, the only downside, I guess, is that you do have to kill to score with it. And as we mentioned earlier, the minions and companions don't hit very hard. So you'll have a tough time mm-hmm. picking it up with them, I think. That's true. Yeah. Um, the last surge is Maneater. Uh, this one is in in Rivals, maybe okay. Uh, otherwise, it is pretty not great. Um, there's there's better ones for your leader. This needs your uh, your leader to kill somebody, but it has to be with range one or range two, and they have to be uninjured when you started the attack. That's two yeah. more caveats than uh, what Savage Exemplar uh, puts yep. on. Savage Exemplar is like, hey, your leader kills somebody, good to go. Um, yep. so you, you got a couple places you're going to stop before you go for this. If you have the choice. Um, yeah, so. I think, I think for rivals, this still feels like a solid option. Like I think, I think all, I think all of these surges are serviceable in a rivals format, but like they're just giving you a couple extra hoops to jump through. And I'm mm. not, so this is sort of an interesting question. This is something that I think we've talked about before, but like, it always feels like the way they design cards is that the generics are sort of the strongest version of the card that's going to exist. And then the mm. in-faction versions are like the slightly watered-down version. I, I can't ever quite figure why that would be. I shouldn't... Well, uh, that, that was true. That was very true in Shadespire. And I think you well, know, yes, I maybe have a definitely. bias for that. 
uh, <laughs> it's no longer it's no longer a, a strictly universal rule. Like you think of things like no, uh, it's not universal. Uh, Watchy's Watchy's device or uh, the the Slanesh push or something like those. Those are cards that are true. Like They're, clearly better. The power cards I think have definitely gotten better. I was mostly thinking about objectives, I guess, where it's like mm. it feels like a lot of times the in faction objectives outside of a few specific examples probably are are generally a little tougher um than the generics and i guess i could be wrong about that that like you said that could be a small bias but it, it's like in this case it does feel like that it's sort of like well mm. brutal belaying there's probably better options that do similar things man eater we already mentioned one card just offhand that does exactly the same thing but it's easier um but yeah, I, I mean, I think they're solid for rivals play, and some of them will be used in championship. So, mm, sure, a decent selection there. Uh, any end phase jump out at you? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I think one that I really am drawn to, just because it feels like a nice, easy one to include if you need some reliable round one glory, is treasure hungry. Um, so this mm. is a uh, score in an end phase if two or more friendly fighters are on feature tokens. Gets one, one yep. glory, but uh, nice and simple. There's no restrictions as to where you need to be, who needs to be doing it. Just put two fighters on feature tokens, which as of right now, that is sort of the meta anyway. Everybody wants to be on them for defensive bonuses or denying hold objective play. So yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah i mean it makes you wonder a little bit is there a uh like with you know and there's a lot more cards that go through but uh when i see stuff like this i'm like i wonder if there's like a low scoring control build for these guys where i'm going to score very reliable stuff um uh, you know maybe this maybe have somebody pop forward with uh uh gold diggers grab that glory and then find a way to retreat or something like that with some of your reactions um yeah and get that and then your opponent is also slow rolling but because you are slow rolling as well and have the ability to peel off as they start to get an upgrade here or there you peel those back off you know maybe there's something there i don't know it, it makes me it makes me want to explore that a little bit i agree like I, I like i mentioned earlier this feels like maybe a control on you know turbo mode uh potential mm -hmm. i don't know if it'll work out but i think it's, it's there's potential and i i'm curious to see what, how that works out when you've got, you know, a giant beat stick that maybe signpost says <laughs> aggro, but in the fine print, it's like, actually, <laughs> control. Right. Uh, any that jumped out at you? Things that seemed like really nice inclusions here. Uh, what I, what made me do a lot of thinking as well was the uh, eyes on the prize. And this is a score in and end phase if you have three or more swag counters uh if you score it and you have six or more swag counters get one additional glory so it's either two or three depending on whether you have three or six swag and i think there's a build where you just say hey this guy's cutlass is pretty great uh i'm not going to shoot it or if i do shoot it it's going to be one of these options that don't burn swag counters and we get this and i think this may be part of that control build where you find ways to yeah. uh sneak in some swag counters um you know, some of them, some of those uh, ways of collecting swag counters don't involve rolling dice, uh, and so you can use this in combination with other things to maybe have that that uh, uh, control passive-ish glory build stuff up that uh, 
is so I, I like that this points at, Hey, think about this other play style that might be there. Um, so yeah, I think that's cool. I think one thing that I like about this one, uh, as well is that as far as I can tell, because of the way the swag counters are worded, you don't, they're not like on a fighter. So even if your whole warband was dead, but you still have mm, enough swag sure. counters to score this, you know that there's yeah. like, if you haven't drawn it yet, you can go digging. Um, and you've got that option, which I think is pretty well, cool. And then I also, you know, yeah, I like that uh, it has the two possibilities. So if I'm running a deck that has this and it comes up in the second round, I'm like, yeah, two glory is good for now. Like I'm, I'm going to get that. I don't need to hang on to this just for the one more. Yeah. Uh, and then, because you scored this, you have at least three swag. Uh, Gorlock can then just go on a, like a, a, a Reservoir Dogs shooting rampage or something, you know, like afterwards. Because yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, I don't need these swag for anything anymore. I'm just going to start blazing away. Um, yeah. So that's kind of cool. You can just unleash unleash the gun. Which is something I hadn't thought about. But like there could be that situation where you're sort of hanging back, you're building up, and you do get to the end of the game and you're like, okay, I'm in a good position now. I've got enough swag. I can just take pot shots for two damage a shot, like potentially more if you've stacked upgrades that can work on his range attack. So some interesting play patterns that I hadn't even really considered, but yeah, uh, feels pretty good. Yeah. So to kind of go along with some of that swag stuff, um, we do have another one that counts swag counters and that's loaded with booty uh, so this is a duel you scored in an end phase if you have two or more swag counters and two or more friendly fighters are on a feature token that is not in your territory so i think this is definitely a bigger ask you you are having to push forward yeah. you have to have at least two fighters but we do like you know as we've continued to mention that that push three could really unlock some of this um, and getting two swag counters is not exactly difficult. Uh, if you can find mm. a way to manage to pick up one and you didn't spend it, um, you could be scoring this even in round one. And it's for two glory. So I don't think it's great. Um, but if you're going to lean into it, um, I think it's definitely an option. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think so. I think this does not, this is, if you're trying that more control build, this is a, a tougher ask because it involves yep. pushing not one, but two people in and having them there in the end phase. So uh, kind of challenging there, but I think there's maybe a hybrid play where like, I don't really lean on the gun real hard. Um, we get in. So, uh, but I think they're, they're probably in championship play. Um, there might be better two glory ones if you're planning on running into enemy territory anyway. Yeah, I, I would agree with that for sure. I guess kind of to go along with some of these. Um, so again, we, we have another one then that is about pushing into enemy territory. So it's Bold Tales. It's another two glory end phase. You score it uh, if either three or more friendly fighters are on feature tokens that are not in your territory. So basically supremacy outside of your territory. Wow, that sounds <laughs> rough. Um, or three or more enemy fighters are out of action. Also kind of rough. Um, yeah, I mean, worst case scenario, this is either a harder, less glory supremacy or a harder, less glory annihilation, uh, both bad options. Um, yeah. And then I guess best case scenario, you're facing off against like goblins and you just try to pick off three of them quick for sure. two glory, but like, 
man, uh, that feels rough. Um, and using it in our game for practice, that felt like a bad, bad objective. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't know that there was really, other than drawing it in the third round and hoping you got a bunch of kills. I don't know that I'm ever wanting to see that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. Um, were there any other, I, the only other one that jumped out to me as, uh, Hey, I, I would think about including this is a uh, aspiring tyrant. It's just your leader has to be on a feature token in enemy territory or one or more leaders are out of action. It, it's not, I mean, it's just one glory for the end phase. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty doable. Um, I think it's doable. So I, and I think you scored incidentally, right? I mean, especially in rivals, like your yeah. big six wound fighter that you're just kind of wanting to slowly wait up the board with. You can, yeah. you can set a feature token somewhere just across the line and then, you know, charge forward and shoot or move forward and slash. Cause you know, having that extra range on both of his attacks means just standing on feature token still means he's got plenty of options for making attacks. Yeah. Uh, any others you wanted to talk about before we went to gambits or, um, I mean, I think, I think maybe the only other one that's like decent. <laughs> so I'll say tall tail and smash and grab, um, both seem kind of bad, so we don't need to probably mention them. Uh, the cards are up for folks. If you want to go check those out, I don't think we need to really talk about them. Um, Brash Braggart, though, does feel like something that could come up kind of incidentally as well. So this is an end phase if your leader is within two hexes of two or more enemy fighters. Um, mm. So if you're just kind of in the middle of the board, you can score this for one glory. Uh, again, I think it's fine for rivals. I don't know. I think most likely you find something better when you're uh, building for championship, though. I agree. I suppose in the the meta where it is brawling across the middle, um, it's pretty doable, and it also means you probably set yourself up for a good next turn, uh, where you can yeah, you leverage hope. your large cut list to just start bopping people on the head. So, uh, yeah, it, it's theoretically something you're trying to do anyway. Definitely. I mean, I guess. Although I said probably not. Do you do you think we should talk about Tall Tale or Smash and Grab? <laughs> No, I mean people can look those up. I they, I think they're okay. they're not great. Um, so yep, I would agree. So we've got we got some ploys. I think there's some decent ones. Uh, which ones uh, do you find to be most interesting? Um, I'll, I'll put a I'll put a quick aside. I have a real soft spot for gambits uh, or for card names that tie together. So I think Ooh, the. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think uh, Kanan's Reapers had one is like never rest, never sleep, never falter or something like that uh, or never tire. I don't know whatever they were, but uh, uh, these guys have been there and done that. Yeah. They, they aren't even all that uh, remarkably tied together. I guess they're both reactions. So that's cool. Um, I'll just talk about these. So done. That is a reaction. Play this after an adjacent fighter failed attack that targeted your leader. Gain one swag counter pretty restrictive because it's got to be a miss and you're only on one block and it's got to be adjacent however for one swag counter there may be there may be builds again that that kind of control build uh and you can double it up because one thing we didn't mention is that uh our boy black powder is a brawler uh, and so he's a great one to pick up 
uh, unfazed, uh, which is a universal. If you're a brawler, if somebody's adjacent to you, you get one extra defense dice. Mm. Um, so yeah, he can he can boost himself to two block. Uh, I think there's some illusions, uh, maybe specifically destruction illusions, that uh, uh, are, are defensive buff. I think there's one that's like minus one to adjacent attack action. So you can make yourself harder to hit um, and potentially set this up. Um, yeah, and getting that extra swag counter could could be a big deal. Um, yep. So I, I think when I first saw it, I was like, no, I don't think so. But I think in the right build, this this actually might be handy. Uh, you just have to decide if the card is worth uh, uh, is worth the swag counter. Um, with the additional caveat that this is a valuable reaction to block the defensive. Uh, true. The defensive after attack reaction is a good place to set up because you can block a wolf bite from Ripa's. You can block um, any of the attack again. Uh, reactions so um that's that in itself has value yeah um i think there's i mean i guess maybe it i'd have to think about it a little more but i think there are right now a decent number of warbands that kind of have a volume of attacks rather than accuracy so there may be some mm-hmm. situations where you're like yeah okay you took your you know two fury wolf bite i can just done that off of that that's not not a horrible thing to have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Ben there is the companion here. And that this is a kind of a cool movement one, which I think I'd need to see a little more to decide if it's if it's good. So reaction, play this after an enemy fighter's charge action. Your leader makes one move action. After that move action, your leader must be adjacent to that enemy fighter. So it's kind of like counter charge, except it's a move. Uh, so if his speed is increased from something like... Uh, uh, you know, being inspired or, you know, whatever the case, you know, upgrades or, uh, yeah, he what's can, a, he, can, a, he, he can really, uh, cover a lot of ground with this. However, it is a move token. So it's gonna, if he has not done something yet this round, it hampers him. But I think where it really comes in is somebody says like, oh, he already moved. Now I can go somewhere else on the board and be safe. And you're like, well, no, I'm going to use this to, um, you know, turbo over somewhere else. So, uh, Mobility ploys and especially reaction mobility ploys always got some some play in my mind. But yeah, um, whether it's better than just a sidestep or something, it's harder to say. Or even just counter charge. I mean, I don't know if you yeah counter charge is push three. Push three. Yeah. So I mean, the base the baseline for this more often than not is that it's it's a restrictive version of counter charge. Um. But yeah, like you said, you could you could end up with higher speed, and that could be interesting. I think I think there's room for it. It's it's just like you said, it's that question of like, do you have a play in mind for it to be useful? Because I mean, extra movement is always good, but you you can't just throw it in and expect it to do work for you. I think. Uh, what about you? Anything that you uh, caught your eye wanted to talk about? Yeah, I think there's a, a number here that are just like good. Um, and are probably worth talking about. And then I think there's a few others that maybe are interesting and have some some play. I think I think we can start with the ones that are just kind of interesting. Um, so I'll start I'll start with hasty shot. Um, so this is a weird one. So you play this. As an additional cost, you discard a power card. And I think that's maybe going to be the toughest part about using this card is that if you've mm. built your deck correctly, you probably don't want to be discarding anything. Um, sure. 
But if you do, you then, uh, with your leader, can make a Grunderbuss attack action, but at minus one dice, and it does not use the ammo ability. So it's a free attack, almost. Right, you have to pay a card, <laughs> right? Uh, which yeah. is a lot. Um, like there are times where that could swing a game, uh, mm. and since it's in the power step, it could catch people off guard. I don't know that I would necessarily run it, but if you are going hard aggro, sometimes just having extra attacks could be the thing that swings the game for you. So I'm yeah. curious about it, um, but I think it needs more playtesting to decide if it actually sure. makes sense to use. I'm a little confused as to why they felt it needed to both discard a power card to activate and then have an accuracy reduction. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's fair to be because uh, if he's getting if he finds himself accuracy boosts from uh, supports or rerolls or trapping somebody, um, which which often start to filter in as the season goes on, um, then then yeah, uh, then I mean, even it could, minus one dice probably doesn't could become a little too good, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, like you you think if he's got boosts or if he's got glory seeker or something, all of a sudden he's like really blowing yeah, people up really so. really scary yeah no that's fair that's fair um and i guess i'll just i'll just sort of combine that one with the other shooting one that i think is interesting but probably not worth taking most of the time so you've got makeshift munitions um so this is just for your next grunderbus attack you have minus one damage but it doesn't use ammo um, so mm. you don't if you're if you care about having the swag counters, this gives you a way to suddenly take that shot uh, without yep. spending this the swag. Um, it's only going to be for one damage though. But if you've got ways of boosting it, this could still mean a pretty effective ranged attack. So if you want to lean into his ranged stuff, I think there's room for it. But like you've really got to have a good plan. I don't know what your yeah. thoughts are. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think I've seen. You know, I kind of looked at the pile of cards that he's got a lot. There's a lot in this deck that revolve around that Grunderbrus in one way or the other. Yep. And uh, I think it would be a mistake to say I'm going to be all about the Grunderbrus. I'm going to throw every card that references it into a deck because I think they'll end up making a little bit of a mess of each other. Yeah, I think if you pick and choose wisely, you can you can build around that. Uh, you know, admittedly, pretty powerful attack to be starting out with. So yeah, uh, it kind of feels like maybe these are both better in the control style, where you're just trying to be advantageous as much as you can be, um, and being able to get extra, you know, free shots could be pretty useful. Uh, but that's that's sort of a an unformed thought. But that's that's sort of where where my brain's going with that. Um, sure. Uh, uh, my companion card for hasty shot would have been flurry of claws, uh, because that is uh, another power step attack. It is. I think this one's just just good. I think you just run this. Yep. <laughs> I think you do too, because uh, we already kind of. Uh, establish that uh those those uh companions uh have pretty okay attacks um and uh again particularly like we talked about like the the risk of sending um you know sending shriek in to uh if 
you know, potentially stagger somebody or peel upgrades off. Uh, if you've got this in hand, you know, you've got another attempt or heck even two attempts, uh, like two, you go in, uh, if you hit with shriek, peel, peel an upgrade off. Now shriek, uh, is inspired and can make an, you know, another attempt at it or something like that. But, uh, uh, yeah, what, I guess I didn't read this out. Choose one friendly companion. The chosen fighter makes one of the attack actions on their fighter card. What I like about that is it specifies their fighter card. So you can't, give mange um you know some some combo weapon and say guess what you know he's gonna <laughs> combo and combo free combo like that. monkey that here was, we go <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah i think this is great i think uh another chance at a crucial attack um I, what what can you say it's it seems solid uh, yeah so. i mean as we've seen pretty much any time they're printed attacks that are happening in the power step are always very good. Um, and on an yeah. attack that is three fury and, uh, grievous, that's certainly has the potential to ruin someone's day. If you get to make that attack again, when they're not expecting it. Mm. Yeah. But I think you're right. That one definitely goes along with that. Uh, I, I guess I only skipped over it just cause I felt like it fit into these sort of like, good just auto include cards um yeah and uh the other one that i think is a good auto include is gold rush so this mm. is a choose up to two friendly fighters other than your leader push each of them two hexes towards the feature token closest to that fighter and in enemy territory so it does have to push you into enemy territory but getting to push two fight any two of your non uh, leader fighters is still very yeah. strong and to be um, clear it does not actually have to push you into enemy territory just towards enemy territory yeah, just right? towards like, so you, i mean you could be you could be deep in the back of your own board and get a push off of this yeah 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 uh, i think it's got a lot of flexibility as most um as most double push cards do um, yeah and like as long as you end closer to that feature token you're good. So there's probably ways you can kind of cheat this if you're far away as well. I guess I I think maybe the only other one that I like a decent amount um, is Reckless Raid. Mm. So this gives plus one dice to all the range one attack actions of friendly fighters and minus one defense from friendly fighters to a minimum of one uh, that persists until the end of the round. Uh, it's risky. But if you're in a situation where you know that you, you know, theoretically have, you know, some of those extra attack power cards, or if you're just like, okay, he's got one fighter left. I just need to get, you know, get the job done here. Um, that yeah. could be a pretty big swing to be like, oh, all of my minion fighters, or I mean, I guess if you maybe put an upgrade, I guess, onto Gorlock, he could benefit from that as well. But um, sure. Otherwise, he's normally not range one. But I think I mean I think we mentioned that uh, some of the things that you might be looking for is accuracy with the with the yeah. light fingered. So this uh, this makes light fingered more likely to go off. And I can see a situation where maybe you have this in hand along with flurry of claws and your last activation. I'm going to send shriek. I'm going to play this. And I'm going to send shriek forward. I'll take a four fury grievous attack, uh, and again. then I'm going to flurry of claws and get a four fury grievous attack. Um, yeah that's pretty that's pretty boss combo yeah i think i think there's plenty of play with this um at the very worst it's just a end of round plus one plus one dice 
that's not horrible. Um, and in the right situation, it's giving you a lot more than plus one dice. So, yep, I think it's good. Any of the yeah. remaining three that, uh, or any other uh, comments? I just on want to. <laughs> I want to mention uh, Grand Theft uh, just because we were talking about yeah. that build that maybe is trying to build up uh, uh, build up swag cards, uh, swag counters, and uh, Grand Theft is uh, sets you up so the first range one attack action made by a friendly fighter, and the next activation has ensnare, and you gain a swag counter after resolving that attack action. Not a reaction or anything like that. You're just going to get it. Uh, if the fighter has an upgrade, you could potentially get two swag counters off that one attack where you uh, light fingered an upgrade away and then also uh, get a swag. So I think you only uh, pick this up if you really care about swag counters because uh, the ensnare on its own is, is not great. Um, but not. Uh, I think, yeah, I think there's some builds where you would, you would think about it. Yeah. And I mean, it still boosts the accuracy of any of your little guys um, just out of the gate. So sometimes if that's just all you need, still decent uh, there's a lot of dodge yep. in the game right now so ensnare is pretty valuable but there's probably better choices i think i'd take more dice generally over uh ensnare if i had the choice so like you said the swag yep. counter piece is really the thing that makes you think about that uh there's only two left um so snack break is just bad uh don't run it um <laughs> we don't need to mention it you can look it up if you'd like um healing potion is directly better if you want a healing option. Um, so that's what the card does. And then punitive damage. Um, I don't really think there's much to mention about that one either. I don't know if you have other thoughts. It's just a weird one. It, it's uh, We've seen these cards before and they, they don't very often they, get played yeah. where you somebody gets attacked and you deal a damage back to the attacker. The only thing of note here is that you can deal one damage to an adjacent attacker as long as they weren't your leader uh and it does not matter if the attack hit or missed or killed or left them alive it'll just do it as long as they're adjacent uh i think i think you're probably going to find other things to put in your deck but if you are going with that idea of like i'm going to put uh i'm going to put like pegs out there to give them that glory that i can light fingered away with somebody else then maybe you punish them for having killed pegs i don't know I, I think yeah. I think if you really want to do something like that, maybe you are are taking Omega's offering instead to get your glory going. Uh, Agreed. I think I think yeah. it's generally not a great option. There are so many powerful uh, ploys. I I just I don't see a good reason to want this one. Like, cool. If somebody attacks one of my little guys, they can take one damage. I yeah. In you know, it might surprise people in rivals. Uh, this this could you know pick up a a late kill or something, but I that brings us on to the upgrades. We uh, sure does definitely been seeing some patterns here. I, I guess just to recap, <laughs> we've sort of been mentioning as we go, but um, it's a lot of lot of information. So just as some things we've been seeing, I think you you you're seeing some patterns of wanting to be in enemy territory. And wanting to have swag counters, not necessarily together, yeah. but those are sort of the two themes that at least I'm seeing um, and that we've been talking about. Um, so keeping that in mind, let's see if we like any of these upgrades. Uh, which one do you want to start with? Uh, I'll start with Trogoth Grease because I think that oh. is 
interesting. So just put a fighter, uh, put the fighter on guard, but it's restricted to mange or one of the minions. So, um, yeah, I think this is the right way to design a restricted upgrade in your, in your war band. Going on guard is great. Going on guard is really great. If you are uh, a dodge fighter or a multiple dodge fighter. So, uh, mange, if mange gets inspired with this then it's crazy town, um, and same it, if the little guys, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but then there's three different people that it can go on, and that's because yeah. they're all two wound fighters. Uh, then that that makes sense. Um, counterpoint: th- something like uh, thieving grapple. Uh, it while being cool, like you can't you cannot take an upgrade that is just restricted to one of your worst fighters, who only has two wounds and could die very easily. Correct. Um, <laughs> you wanna... tiny, tiny. Br- <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I guess so, if you just want to run, since you mentioned them, just want to run down what sure. they actually do. Yeah, three thieving grapple is a reaction after this fighter's move action. If you move through one or more enemy fighters during that action, roll one attack dice. If you get a smash, you pick an upgrade, break it, and you get a swag. So it's just a one in three chance to pick up a. I mean, it's cool because that's maybe about his chances of successfully landing an uninspired attack anyway, but, uh, um, and then he'd also be able to attack so he could like charge with this, but it's just, it's, it's, uh, maybe, maybe you'll have a cool story from it in rivals, but you shouldn't take it in championship. Uh, tiny braggart is almost cool enough for me to take. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an illusion, so you don't have to need anything for it. Uh, it's restricted to pegs, the worst fighter in the warband. Very much. Plus so. one move, plus one defense, and plus one damage. I mean, that sounds cool, but again, as soon as pegs is dead, which could happen very quickly, then no bueno. Yeah, and if anybody's got anything that can target him in the power step, as soon as you play this, if you're like, oh ho, look at what I'm doing next round, and then they go, oh ho, sidestep <laughs> or I guess distraction in this case, and it's like, oh. Yeah. yeah right never mind yeah <laughs> um yeah i mean it's one that i kind of want to be good it's like hey maybe if he's got a sword upgrade and then now suddenly he's speed four with plus one damage on that sword weapon and he's got extra defense and but no you're you're going through too many hoops there i think um yeah. and if he's dead at any point for any reason this is suddenly just a dead card and you don't like that um yeah I think, and just to go back to Thieving Grapple, like, you're right, it's definitely too restrictive, and it only goes on a really bad fighter, which is not good. Um, If we ever get a speed package again, which I don't think we will, because it's problematic, Um, but if we did, this is an interesting one, if you're in a speed package, because then you're like, well, it gives me some benefit just from moving. Um, Mm. But I doubt we'll ever be living in that world again, so... uh, (laughs) put that one in the back of the cupboard and maybe just dust it off. If, if we end up back in that play space, which I would be shocked. Yeah. Uh, I guess while we're on the topic of things that you probably don't take because of, you know, restrictions and just not being good enough. I think we don't even really need to talk about it other than to just say that it's here. Legendary looter is bad. Um, this yeah. is restricted to black powder or a minion. It gives your fighter an action where they can choose friendly fighter discard a swag counter and then give them an upgrade for free but then the fighter who took this action gets a charge token yikes yeah 
pretty rough. I, I tried thinking of ways that this might, I'm like, well, this is a way to discard a swag counter that, uh, doesn't involve a shot so like maybe this is a backdoor way of getting inspired i'm like well you still have to find <laughs> that second swag counter somewhere yeah uh, i i mean I, I could be wrong there could be like a weird control build but even this even like the efficiency on this uh that first time you discard a swag counter to get a free upgrade that's just paying back the glory that you spent on this legendary looter upgrade so yeah. You have to use it more than once before you get a good return on your investment, which means that you, and because it gives you a charge token, it means you're only using it once per round. Rounds, so. so the earliest this would like give you a good return on investment is the second round, at which point you spent two actions on this. I, yeah, it feels so, so bad. And then I come back <laughs> around to, you are right, Phil, it's bad. Don't, yeah. don't do it. <laughs> it feels like on initial take, you're like, ooh, free upgrade. And then you're like, nah, it's not really free. You're, you're spending glory for an upgrade to play another upgrade. Like it, it doesn't just play the one you were going to play, you know, with this instead of playing this just. Yeah. Um, so that leaves us with a few that I don't know. I mean, like, are there any good upgrades in here beyond the grease? Like, uh, I mean, I think the short answer is not really. Yeah, they all feel there's, pretty rough. There's some more. There's more weird gun ones, like one that lets him kind of scatter and do some blast damage on people, which okay. is, is yeah. really cir- circumstantially helpful for those fighters that are real hard. But it's it's unreliable. There's one that gives you range at the cost of dice. Terrible. Uh, there's one that lets you. <laughs> one that lets you uh, uh, shoot. Uh, scaven shot lets you shoot without discarding swag counters which seems okay but you have to be on uh uh you have to be on a feature token that is not in your territory and it ends up dealing a damage to you which feels pretty rough as well i that that one i i see maybe like if you really leaned into the gun thing and you're trying to turret from a spot yeah but uh but damaging yourself is a pretty pretty steep cost especially when your life total is the thing that's making you such a durable fighter. Like if he was two block all the time or something, then it'd be like, oh, maybe you can give up some of that health. But uh, no, I think you need every point of health. Try and make it, you yeah. know, three attacks to kill him or something. Yeah. Um, I think um, it's worth it, talking about on more shot just because it's one that it's kind of confused me. And I, I guess I think it's worth just mentioning. Um, so the way this actually works a reaction after you make the grunderbust attack you do the thing twice so you scatter from the target's hex and deal one damage to any fighter in the end hex of the scatter so somebody adjacent that has not already been dealt damage by this reaction so for the targeting of this it's it's figuring out the scatter after you push right because the push is still part of the attack action. Oh yeah, sure. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. So, so you could knock somebody back into a spot that is better for you to trigger this. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I still don't think it's great, but I mean, you do have to kind of remember that this could mean drive back and then scatter against, like you got a, what is it? 33% chance of hitting who you want. Cause you're going to take the smash scatter option to try and, because it's the most reliable. Yeah. It's yeah. 
maybe yeah, some extra damage. <laughs> I think I think if it was just like roll one dice and on smash deal one damage to all adjacent enemy fighters, like yeah, maybe yeah, that starts to feel yeah. okay because that's a lot of extra damage if you can get them clumped up. Uh, but yeah. with the scatter, I don't, I don't, I don't see it too much. Um, I mean, I guess cache compass. Again, I think. Oh, sorry. Well, I was going to say with the with the more shot, like it, there's maybe maybe if you're going in on the, I'm going to shoot the gun a lot of times, uh, because like you shoot and then you shoot again with quick shot or fast shot or whatever. Yeah. Um, hasty shot is what it's get, called. Get you the I, it's reaction. It's a little times. bit of a, a meme build, but. Oh, but you're talking about uh, Cache Compass and Liberated Map feel like two that should go together. They sure do. And I think that they're maybe the only other two that I would even consider taking out of here. Um, so Cache Compass, it's a reaction. Uh, it has to go on a minion. So you're putting this on one of the Noblars. Um, after the fighter's activation, you can push them up to two hexes towards the nearest feature token. Now, the interesting thing is that you could plan to have the nearest feature token be where you want to be able to push your fighter. Um, I think there's mm -hmm. some interesting play patterns there. Um, and then at the end of the action phase, if the fighter is on a feature token and is not in your territory, and that's sort of the killer there, you do get one swag counter and you inspire the fighter. Mm -hmm. um, I think if Cash Compass just said, if you were holding a feature token at the end of the round with this fighter, you got to get a swag counter and inspire them. This could be really nice because you could hang back in your territory and pick up some extra swag that way. Um, the fact that it has to not be in your territory makes this feel a bit more rough, but a free push after every activation uh, doesn't feel terrible. What do you think? Right. Uh, it seems all right to me. Um, it's going on a minion, unfortunately, so it's going yep. on your two worst guys uh what i want to see in some uh some rivals game somewhere is that this and the liberated map on the same fighter so oh, uh, liberated map is <laughs> action if this fighter is in an edge hex and has no move tokens place this fighter in an empty edge hex and give this fighter one move token and then has the same thing at the end of the action phase if this fighter is on a feature token that is not in your territory gain one swag counter and this fighter is inspired so i'd like to imagine uh, your last activation, you got this, both these upgrades on one, you know, on pegs, pegs teleports to the back, wanders onto a, a feature token and picks up two swag counters, becomes inspired. Uh, It'd be quite the play. He, yeah, he'd have to react. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, but it, it's the kind of play that like feels hilarious. Uh, and yeah. maybe, I don't know, may, maybe it is there in the control build. I don't, I don't think it is, but maybe. I don't think so. The I think my, the thing... The thing that makes me most interested in these is being able to potentially stack extra swag counters and inspire your minions without them having to make attacks. But yeah. because they forced it to be holding in enemy territory, well, technically it could be in no one's territory, but that's not much better than having to be in enemy territory. Um, yeah. It just feels like a lot to ask for those worst fighters in the war band <laughs> yeah um yeah. i mean i think the vibe that we're both putting off here is that uh the upgrades are, are the weakest part of this war band yeah i mean you definitely 
you, t- you take the grease because an always on guard upgrade is very strong. Um, I mean, you can just turn mange into Glissette. Like that, that yep. is good. That is objectively yep. good. He doesn't have range two attacks, but like it doesn't hardly matter. That's still solid. Um, and if you can get him inspired, he's even better. So outside of those, I, I just don't see taking many of these unless, like you said, you go in the like meme, really meme sort of like, I'm going to just shoot the gun as many times as <laughs> I can. And hopefully that pays off. And like, admittedly, there might be enough support down the line for like a really hard ranged game style. I just don't see why you would do it with this warband if there is that support in gen in like the generic, uh, cards because it's like there are much better range fighters um yeah yep since we talked about everything else except for pointy bits i i think we might as well just say what this is just so people know this is the last upgrade it's pointy bits it goes on black powder or a minion and it does different things for depending on who has them which is actually i think another interesting way to restrict a card so if you give it to a minion their range one attack action has Grievous. Now, interesting thing to note is that the only minion with a range one attack action base is uh, Pegs. So, yikes. Um, but if you give it to Black Powder, he gets a reaction where uh, during his Grunderbuss attack action, after the declare attack action step, uh, you can choose to give the attack cleave and minus one dice. Uh, I hopped on the odds calculator, the uh, yeah. warband odds calculator. This uh, almost always makes your attack less accurate. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the, uh... I I definitely uh, think I said earlier in the episode that I think I would almost always prefer more dice than in snare, and I think that is doubly yeah. better, uh, or doubly the case with cleave. Um, there are so few fighters with multiple defense dice with blocks that gaining cleave and losing one dice is going to almost always be a step backwards. Yeah. Uh, my pushback is there's maybe enough guard or like fighters that go on guard that, um, yeah, that cleave has that relevancy, but, but a hundred percent it's, uh, it, that you had to have quite a few defense dice before you started getting incremental gains on this, uh, which all adds up to probably don't take this upgrade. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I think, like we said, I think you're mostly leaving these at home um, unless you're doing something with the shooting or maybe maybe that map and compass can kind of work out for you. But pretty much you've got Trogroth Grease and then some, some playable ploys and upgrade or objectives. Uh, so that's all the cards. We, we hit them all, ran them all down. Uh, it's not always what we do, mm-hmm. but um, I think it felt appropriate here, uh, given how different these guys are. Uh, I don't know. What are you, what are your overall thoughts? Uh, where where would you like to start to... And I know we've kind of talked through some of this already, but where would you like to see uh, building for this Warband going um, You know, outside of a Rivals format? And obviously we can kind of report back after we get a few more games, but... Yeah, uh, I really like the idea of finding a way to make this controly, where you find ways to gain things. I uh, like that feels like where light fingered could really be leveraged, uh, because I remember some of those early games we were playing against uh, a control 
uh, Stormcast or something, you're like, uh, they're not getting much glory. Uh, you know, like the Stormcast aren't building on much glory, but neither am I. But if I can get there with just one or two upgrades, like that might be enough to like turn the tide and here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe just, you can make that happen. We're like, guess what? You won't even get those. So I, I know not everybody likes that play style. Um, and these have a lot of cards that kind of force you. If you, even if you're going to try to do it, you're going to have to probably go into enemy territory, uh, at least a little bit to, to make it happen. Um, but that, that is the place that I would first try to play around making a deck and, and see what, uh, I could come up with. Um, uh, just to just to really try to lean into like how good is light fingered how much mileage can i get out of um out of this guy and it might just be too hard having five little fighters uh, i'm not sure but we'll see yeah um kind of in the same same headspace i think control could be really fun with these guys i think if you want to go that route i think maybe you really double down you take as many enemy push options as you can and then you know, maybe you take uh, acidic strike. Acidic strike is illegal, right? Uh, yes, okay. it was in uh, the that Silent in, Menace. Yes, so you could take acidic strike and then uh, whatever the other one is, the narrow narrowing passage or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you could really lean into just restricting what your opponent is able to do, and then maybe. <laughs> maybe run uh highway what is it highway robbery i haven't played it daylight robbery daylight robbery <laughs> either way you're stealing stuff uh take people's upgrades take people's glory be that jerk who's just like i'm not gonna let you do hardly anything and then have a giant ogre standing in there and they'll have to figure out how to deal with him without much upgrade help or glory uh i think that could be interesting i don't know how good it would be um, but I think it's worth trying. Um, your opponent might just get upset with you though. So <laughs> I guess, uh, 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 maybe if you're going to try this out in your local play group, maybe discuss first and be like, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> Are you going yeah. to enjoy playing this? Um, and then I think if, if I were to like take a guess as to maybe their most optimal way to play these guys since they do seem to have this aggro lens you know lens to them is that maybe maybe you do lean into uh black powder and you kind of run him a little bit like um malog and you just sort of stack stuff on him try and you know work to get some early glory to build up the little guys to make them into like missiles and then um, just try and smash as much as you can as you work your way forwards. I, I don't know if that is going to work, though. I mean, you've got some really poor fighters, and you don't have the action economy that Molog or Hrothgorn have. Um, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, you it's it's nice to have that extra range. Like, I think there's something there where, you know, commanding stride and some other things like that, you can kind of surf around. He doesn't have the mm-hmm. durability, so you're going to have to try to use that range to your advantage, but um, that combined with some of the, the movement tricks you can use on the companions, uh, it might be something there. Um, so I don't know. Tough, yeah. tough to say. Tough to say. Uh, I th- I'm, I'm excited to try them though. I feel like he's just in such a weird space. Maybe, maybe weird will translate to just bad space, but I think there's something here. Um, I mean, 
they're at least as durable as Seraphon, and I've had plenty of games where I hardly lose any of them. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Um, but I'll all part of the plan all part of the plan but maybe that's just because i get lucky i don't know uh, when we when we tried these guys out for rivals uh, i got speed rolled hard um <laughs> gorthlock was dead the first activation of round two so uh maybe not but we'll see uh, i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna play him for a little while and we will probably have another episode to talk more about these guys once we have some more experience um and with that, is there anything else that you wanted to mention about this warband before we sign off? Um, yes, I really like their warband symbol. It's awesome. The it is good. The it is, whale, whale good bone one. jaw. Yeah, yeah. So, or uh, shark jaw. What is that? Shark jaw. I guess. It's yeah, it looks like a shark jaw. Uh, it it also just looks a lot like the um, so the ogre maw tribes have like. I don't remember exactly what he's called, but he's like some sort of deity figure that's like the great maw or whatever. And they like ride like on their flagpoles or whatever. They just have these big iron jaws or whatever. It kind of looks like that too. So it's a nice tie in in that way as well. Sort of leaning into the AOS side and then also like, hey, he's a pirate. So it's a shark jaw. It's cool. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think there's a lot of flavor here, if nothing else. yeah. So definitely a, a fun one just from that perspective. And I guess if yeah. you're a fan of pirates, these are your guys. <laughs> so I think that just about does it for talking about the sort of hot takes for Gorlock Black Powder. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with us to talk any of your thoughts or let us know what you think we got wrong in our initial takes, uh, you can reach us at WTHCast on Twitter or whatthehexcast at gmail.com. Um, if you'd like to check out any of our other episodes or keeping an eye out for, uh, any future coverage, if you're really interested on future coverage for black powder, uh, you can always go to check stuff out at themortalrealms.com. Um, we've got all of our episodes up there as well as all of the other episodes for all the other shows in our podcast network. Um, coming up next, it will be some, some other coverage, most likely of the new releases we've got a new far we've got a new rivals deck uh in illusory might so i'm sure it'll be one of those things unless we get yet another uh bombshell drop of some sort i, I wouldn't yeah. expect to at this point though i want to talk illusory might so cool uh, keep let's, keep an eye out there let's, let's do that that's one. my vote i think that, that is a, right. a good choice because right now rivals like the actual rivals decks as they're sort of purported to exist uh, you just have Silent Menace, and that's not enough diversity to try and run yeah. just Rivals. So interesting space. Uh, I think Rivals continues to get more interesting as we release more cards. So yeah, keep Definitely. an eye out for that one. Um, while we got folks here, I wanted to make one last shout. This is the last time we'll mention on the podcast. We do still have that uh, survey out. I'm going to close it up mm. at the end yeah. of January. Um, so if you have already filled it out, uh, many thanks. It's gotten us some really great information and, uh, you gave us a gift of your time and I appreciate that. Uh, if you haven't had the chance to do so yet, uh, by the time you hear this, it'll be about one week left to do it. Um, hop on, it takes three or four minutes and, uh, 
we, we really value that feedback that, uh, you can give us. So, uh, thanks. Thanks in advance for doing that. Yeah, definitely. It's greatly appreciated. It helps us, uh, provide a more, uh, tailored show experience, uh, letting, letting, you know, if you, if there's something you want to hear, the only way we're going to know about it is if you let us know. So definitely appreciate it. Links in the show notes, and I'll try and throw it up in the groups just the one time. I didn't want to spam the groups, so I yeah, we'll, don't, we'll don't do one round of those. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And for your recommended listening today, what do we got, Davey? Oh, yeah. Uh, this one I was excited for. This is uh, Hoist That Rag by Tom Waits off a of Real Gone. And this is exactly what I think a uh, drunken pirate ogre would sound like if he was singing awesome. a song. So. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. For What the Hex, I've been Phil. And I've been Davey. you live (laughs) i think we're good then do it do it you coward (laughs) man i totally messed this up i i should really start with i who i am and who you are and it's the last one you hosted we we did that i I managed to splice it back together yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) okay i'll just hard cut we'll take from the top yep all right